Jacqueline, welcome to the show. I'm just going to get right in there. How is new mom life treating you? Tell me all about it. New mom life is amazing. Yes, I have a baby. She's three months old now. Um, you know, I'm nursing around the clock, so I'm not doing any bottle feeding or anything. So it's definitely been an adjustment, but it's it's an amazing, it's it's amazing. Like I I just you don't really know what it's going to be like until you actually have one yourself. You hear all the stories and everything. I heard a lot of negative stories. Mm. I feel like a lot of, a lot of scary things or, you know, Oh, your life is going to be done all these negative things. But I, I find it to be like the most beautiful, amazing thing ever that's ever happened to us. So I love it. I couldn't agree more with that sentiment. There is so much fear and negativity around pregnancy, childbirthing, then becoming a parent, you know, your whole life is upside down, blah, blah, blah. But it all depends how you take it. And I know you've got an incredible birth story and I really want to talk about that with you today and all of these things that you just raised about, you know, adjustment to this new life with this new person attached to you and breastfeeding. That's all amazing and on the docket for today's conversation. But before we get there, I also want to rewind the clock a little bit and understand how did you become Action Jacqueline? You know, you have half a million followers and growing on Instagram. You're sharing your life with people. How did this all transpire? Take us back and tell us the story a little bit. Yeah, so it, it all happened very organically, um, which I feel like a lot of things in my life go like that. You know, I just always try to trust my gut and, and go with it. So I started posting on Instagram, you know, very much in the beginning. I feel like... I, I'm glad it was <laughs> in the beginning. It was just so different. It was so raw and it was just um, way different than it is now. But I just started posting just photos of me on the beach doing dancer poses or leaps. I would, you know, go to the beach. My friend had a, a camera and we would just take really pretty like sunset photos of me dancing and stuff. Um, and they just started getting shared around really organically. And um and then I started, you know, working with brands right away. Um, and then, but then people started asking me, oh, how do you, how are you so flexible? How did you do this? How did you do that? I want to be able to do the splits like all the time. We would be like, I want to be flexible. How to do the splits. So then I started just posting little tutorials of how to do the splits, how to get flexible. Eventually that turned into, you know, get stretchy, which was like my first program. Then I started to think, okay, wow, this started to take off. I saw it just growing and I thought, Wow, this would be so cool if I could actually turn this into a business because yeah. I was already teaching, you know, in person. So I was already having that teacher mindset of teaching bar, teaching Pilates, teaching dance. I was a dancer. I was dancing professionally at the time. I was a Laker girl. And then um, so I kind of had that mentality of like, oh, well, let me show them, you know, because I was already doing that. And then right away, I've always been entrepreneurial. And I'm like, how can I you know, make this a business? And um, I started to just get more and more notice, you know, and I started to grow my followers. And I feel like at the time, it was all about like going to events and getting free clothes or free mm. stuff. And I was like, okay, that's not going to last me very long. You know, I don't want to just be this commodity of like getting free clothes. And I don't, I don't, I just didn't, I don't really enjoy going to just like another event. I'm kind of more introverted and I just felt like it was kind of a waste of time. And I'm like, I want to be home working on something that I know is going to last a long time, you know, something that's going to give me some longevity. So that's where I started putting together videos and putting together courses and really try to piece, like I would duct tape these courses together um, because it was not like how it was before. Like there was no Kajabi. There was mm. no, like everything was like, now it's super easy to just like throw up a course. But like back then I actually pieced it together on WordPress and, you know, made my own courses and all that. Um, so yeah, I worked really hard to try to create something that I could have for a long time. And I feel like now, like I was just sharing this. I feel like it's like all my hard work has paid off. Cause like, my dream has always been to start a family and to be at home and to be doing something I love and working that way. So I feel like it's all just coming together right now, like with the baby and Josh and everything. And he's working in the business now. And so it's just, yeah, it's just amazing. That's beautiful. <laughs> I, I think as well, you know, it's cool to hear you go on that journey because I think you had to come full circle or a lot of maybe people are orienting the mind to wanting to be an influencer and think that 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 is the the pinnacle is brand sponsorships and deals and just taking pretty pictures yeah. and adoration but you actually 
have to kind of accomplish that to realize it's maybe a little bit on the emptier side and what's really impactful to you is building and creating and helping people change their lives. So I think that's cool for people that are listening that just like, oh, maybe I'll be an influencer that like a real influence is about impact, right? And what you create. And I know you, like you said, serial entrepreneur with what you've created in terms of your programs into the newest um, kind of conception of that, which is bar, right? Bar fitness. Tell me all about bar and that, and that piece of the story. I'm interested. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I wanted to really create a, a place. Cause I, like I was saying, I was teaching classes online or, um, uh, in studios and I was like, I, I remember the first time that I sold a course, it was really cool. It had a little map and it showed you everywhere that people bought. Hmm. And I just was blown away. Cause I used to teach locally and I would have like 10 women at a time, you know, at like these small little boutique studios, or I was doing one-on-ones and I had celebrity clients up in LA and Hollywood. And then when I saw the map and I saw how people from all over the world were buying my course, it just blew my mind. And I was like, this is so cool. Like someone in Italy is taking my class or someone, you know, somewhere across the world. Um, So that really inspired me because I was like, I can really help women everywhere. Like Mm. This is amazing. So I wanted to create a place where women could work out from home. And it really be a source of inspiration and motivation and accountability. And they could actually have a program to follow because I'm really structured. I don't like just having, oh, a couple of exercises that you can do. And then here you go, you know, and do it on your own time. I like to, to, I like to be really like spoon fed. Okay, this is what you do every single day at this time for this long. So I started making videos and uh, monthly programs. So that's what my app is all about, Bar Definition. We have bar programs. Right now, we have a 90-day bar program, which takes you from beginner to advanced. Um, and also, we have after that, we have monthly community challenges. So they have a new workout every single day. Um, so that's all bar and Pilates. So it's just it's taken a lot of work because mm. we have over 800 videos in there now, and well, I have filmed all of them. <laughs> so <laughs> I've spent many, many, many hours creating this, um, and it all came from you know my background of being a ballerina. I was a ballerina for many, many, many years. And so I incorporate all of that really graceful, flowy movement into it. Um, and I and I, I think women love it because you just, you feel very feminine doing it. And a lot of women used to dance and, you know, they don't really have time to go take a dance class, but they also have to get a workout in. So it's kind of a great combo of both. It's mm-hmm. not for dancers. It's like to make you feel feel sexy, you know, like a woman. And then you're still feeling really strong and flexible. So yeah, that's my goal with it. I love it. And I think the ultimate hack in when it comes to your health and a movement practice is to find something you love because you'll do it forever. And I'm sure that you know that consistency trumps pretty much everything else. And if you can empower these women to do something where they're getting a heck of a workout, but then they're finishing it and they're like, I love doing this and it's increasing the confidence and it's making them more flexible and mobile. That's a win, win, win across the board. I'm curious, you know, you said 800 videos, that's a whopping amount of little instructionals. Where was this being filmed? Is that like, because you know, you're growing a baby. That's the best part of a year as well. Like how long have you been working on this things behind the scene? Yeah. So I've been working on it since 20, was it 2019 where I launched it, but I launched it with only 30 videos. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just to a small little beta group. Um, and I had 30 videos crossing my fingers, hoping that they would like them, you know, Um, so yeah, I, I get kind of like into a like beast mode when I film and I'll film a ton of classes. I'll take, I'll do like 10 workouts in a day, which is crazy. I don't know. I just get into like, Josh says, it's like, you have like game speed. I just Mm -hmm. like get in there and I just, I, I just do it. Um, so yeah, I've been working on it for a while. And then last year while I was pregnant, yeah, I filmed all of our prenatal workouts. So I just kept filming like I would, I couldn't do as many. I wasn't doing 10 in a Mm. day (laughs) when I was pregnant. It was definitely a lot harder. Um, and, um, so I did a whole, I have a whole bar and Pilates prenatal program, which I am obsessed with because it was just so cool to feel like I'm really taking these women on this journey with me of, you know, figuring out our bodies because so much changes Mm -hmm 
in your body, the weight distribution, your core, your abs, your pelvic floor, um, everything. It's just the way you, you breathe. It's so, so different. Um, and every day is a little bit different too. So it's really cool that I got to take women along the journey with me and I was filming all the time. And so that's what the whole program is about. It's like progressing you from every single trimester through your pregnancy. And I have even like weekly tips and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so I've, I have filmed quite a bit. <laughs> that's like what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And I, I think very valuable, especially as they can kind of follow along as you're progressing through pregnancy, like the different trimesters. I think that's so important. We're learning more and more about the importance of exercise and a healthy movement practice for women when the pregnancy and how that can help with delivery and just the mental health and all of that good stuff. What was the, as a lifetime mover, like you said, a, a professional dancer for years, what was it like for you personally to be like relearning how to move in your body? And where was there, was there ever a moment where you was like, whoa, this is, I'm so out of like my, my, over my own skis here. How did you navigate that? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I, I remember thinking I'm so glad that I went into my pregnancy fit because mm. I was, I, I struggled a lot. I had a lot of low back pain and I had a lot of pelvic pain. Um, and I've, I saw so many different pelvic floor PTs and chiropractors and everything. And I have something that's also called hypermobility. So, mm. you know, I had a different opinion from literally every single person that I spoke to. And I think a lot of it had to do with my hypermobility and, um, cause you know, you have the hormone in your body called relaxin. Mm -hmm. So it just, you know, it causes a lot of extra mobility and my body was perceiving that as pain. So working out for me was so important because it helped my body to feel stable. Um, so it was like a mix of like kind of rolling out my back and I made so many videos of like how to roll out your back and your glutes. Um, and, but also like creating stability around the core and around the, um, uh, the pelvis area. And yeah, it was very humbling. I, you know, I, I, I hated it though. Sometimes where I just like, couldn't pick anything up. Mm. It was hard for me to walk up the stairs. Um, it was very humbling. And I remember my midwife would always say that. Cause I would, you know, go in, I would like complain about like this or that she was, and isn't that just so humbling? And, you know, isn't that you're going to need that, you know, a little bit, <laughs> you go into motherhood and things like that. Um, and so, and I, especially at the end, cause I was two weeks late, you know, so she came at 42 weeks. So I waited all the way till the end till she wanted to come. And I was, I was big by that point, you mm -hmm. know, and walking up the stairs was, yeah, it was tough. And so that's why I really encourage women like working out is so important to stay connected to, cause your balance is really off too. It's like, you have to kind of relearn your body. Like every couple of weeks, you're like, okay, now I feel like this. And now, now let me just recalibrate, you know, find strength here in this area. Um, so yeah, it's super, super important to keep up your labor or keep up your fitness. And then to go through labor is a marathon, mm -hmm. you know, that was, I mean, the most challenging event of my entire life. And I'm so glad that I kept up with my workouts during the pregnancy. Cause yeah, a lot of times you're really tired and like, oh, I don't really feel like it, but it's like, okay, let me at least just like move a little bit and do something. Um, so yeah, I mean, labor is insane. <laughs> it's so it's, intense. It's very intense. I, I just, you know, 12 weeks ago, uh, witnessed my wife go through labor and you can see that ability to dig deep if you've got that extra layer of knowing your own boundaries and smashing through those because hopefully you've done something that's challenged you in the past and you've had a push it's it's so humbling for a man to witness the power in that it's so humbling to watch a woman go through it and just at that moment where you think it's taking you right to your edge that you find another gear and I was joking with my wife yeah. after the fact that I was almost like her corner man I used to corner some of my fighters in MMA and I was telling it like look this is the championship round you just got to get off the stool you got to answer the bell you got to go it was like very rocky motivational you know and she dug deep and she did it and it was primal and it was powerful but similarly to your story uh, she's a she's a dancer she has a history there and she really kept up with her fitness and she's very thankful that she did but I think it's really humbling and powerful for you to also share that it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows that it was difficult you know in the social media world we often get projected just this idyllic vision that my pregnancy was the easiest best thing in the world and I give birth and it was blissful and you know it was an orgasmic birth and the reality sometimes is look look it's sometimes it's it's gnarly and it's nitty and it's gritty but I'm glad you had those people to remind you like hey yeah this is humbling and enjoy this too because you're going to need it.
it because parenthood is going to humble you. So I think it's really yeah. cool that you are sharing that as well. It's important to hear the, the real uh, the real struggles, but the triumph and the overcoming of that. Yeah, it was it was tough. I mean, Josh was definitely there like that because I, I told him before, you know, I'm, I would be like, yeah, you know, I'm not too afraid of the pain. It'll be fine. Everyone thought I was crazy for doing a home birth, you know, on my first birth. And uh, and I'm like, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. You know, I'm strong. I can do this. And then, you know, in the middle of the birth, I was like, I don't know if I, I thought I was strong, but I don't know if I'm this strong. Mm. I, I don't think I don't think I'm prepared for this this intensity. I, I don't think I'm strong enough for this. And I kept like wanting to give up. And they were around me like, you can do it. You can do it. You know. And it was, it was so tough. I mean, I had to dig so deep and, and at the end, Josh kept reminding, he's like, come on, you said you, you, you would bring it, you would bring it. You just got a couple more pushes, you know, bring it. And I was like, okay, you're right. Bring it, bring it. And, you know, and it was just like this crazy transformative experience of just having to dig so deep, so, so deep. And I had so much fear around the home birth itself and, you know, people telling me to not do it, or, you know, you should really reconsider, you should go to the hospital. This is not safe. Like you're going to kill your baby. Like all, you know, I heard all those things. Um, you're going to make really bad, you know, you're going to create lifelong, you're going to disable your baby. I I heard all the crazy things, you know, and I just had to really tune it all out and really focus within and go with what I truly felt was the best decision for me and my baby and starting the start of my motherhood of being a mother to my baby and what I think is best for our family. Um, and so that was like really, really tough, like Mm -hmm. kind of going at times, you know, doubting myself, like, is this the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? Am I going to harm her? What if something does go wrong? You know, will I make it to the hospital in time? You know, all those questions. Um, but still at the end of the day, I knew it was going to be the best place for us to, to birth because, it's exactly what I wanted. And it, and I if I had been in the hospital, I know that they would have pushed me to get induced because she was two weeks late. And I'm glad that my midwife just reassured me everything is okay. But, you know, we kept doing checks, of course. And she's she was just, you know, gave me that sense of like reassurance and confidence that everything is okay. Um, and I know in the hospital, they would have pushed me to do that. And then my water broke and she's, I still didn't go into labor for over 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So I know that they would have then pushed me for antibiotics and again, to induce me. And I just don't like hearing all of that stuff and all of that fear. And so that's why I'm glad I just was not in that environment and it just was not for me. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was quite a journey. But then I came out of it the other side. I mean, it hurt like hell, but I came out of the other side feeling so, so empowered and so proud of myself, really, because it was a moment of really sticking to my guns and sticking to my gut feelings on everything. And it was the perfect way to start motherhood was this feeling of empowerment, feeling strong, feeling like I did it. I stuck to what I believed was best for myself and my baby. And it just started the tone off of, you know, being her mother in that, you know, in that tone. Um, So I'm just really grateful that that's that I went through that whole journey. And I think I really needed to go through that struggle of, you know, doubting myself and refinding exactly why, you know, all my whys. And, and I did a lot of, I do a lot of hypnosis and meditations and I listen to gosh, hypnobirthing mm. meditations every single day throughout my pregnancy, like every day, by the end, I remember I was like, I'm kind of like sick of these mm. recordings. I just need to like, we would, we would start to watch like funny things. We were watching the office and just things that would kind of bring up good, positive feelings because I was like, I, I don't think I can listen to one more hypnosis. I've been listening to so many, um, but they do really help. They really, really help. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can go on and on about the home birthing experience. It's so powerful, right? Um, you know, my yeah. wife had the polar opposite ends of the the birth story. The first one was a C-section in the hospital because of all of those fear-based narratives that you just mentioned. She was late, then they worried about the babies not growing, then they artificially you know, give you the oxytocin and that fostered too strong of a contraction, then it's fear, 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 and all of a sudden... Yeah. All of a sudden, you're on the other side of a of a pretty traumatic, um, very misaligned version of the birth that you wanted. And now to go and, and reclaim that as she did, just like you did in a, such an empowering way, 
she said it changes yeah. you forever and i can only imagine it changed me forever just witnessing it like you said the power if you can do that there's nothing that you can't do right because i think you really find out who you are and what you're really made of when your back's against the ropes and all of those doubts surface and then you actually transcend them. That's really where the juice is. And I think, you know, it, it's credit to you as well because the the blessing and the curse of having a social media platform and sharing your life in the way that you do is you do open yourself up to criticism, right? And you're not just somebody with 100 followers. You know, there's half a million people that are throwing their opinions at you. And if I've learned anything about pregnancy and birth is that everybody thinks they're an expert and everybody has an opinion and they will not shy away from telling you just how dangerous it is or how crazy you are being. But you also broke some other rules, right? You were crazy in the way that you approached your prenatal nutrition. You were crazy yeah. in the way that you did all of this because maybe that craziness is actually the way it could be and should be for more people. It's an option at the very least. So you, you, you mentioned when we were talking off air about just so much of the fear and the bad advice around even how you should nutritionally fuel yourself and how you should give birth and when and all of that stuff. So take me on that journey as well. How did you choose to fuel yourself nutritionally for pregnancy to ready yourself? for this as you're filming these videos and putting and creating content how did you stay hydrated and nutrified what was your approach there yeah I feel like all of the advice that I was given I did the exact opposite <laughs> everything that I read in every prenatal blog I was just this just doesn't seem right everything that was mentioned and said I did the opposite mm. um, and I think that I, I, I'm not like a rebel too. Like mm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not someone who just likes to just go the opposite because I like to do the opposite. I just, it just didn't make sense to me. A lot of what they were saying, you know, um, thankfully I was already tuned into eating a lot of high protein and high fats. And I already was starting, you know, I always kept my carbs lower because I just don't feel good with a lot of carbs. But then when pregnancy comes around, it seems like all they do is tell you to eat a lot of carbs. Um, especially since I had, I had like, I actually did have a total meat aversion. I mm. couldn't even stand the smell of it. I couldn't look at it. Uh, it was, it, that was like really tough in the first trimester, but I knew that that was the nutrition that I wanted to eat. And everyone always says, Oh, you know, listen to your body, listen to your body. But during your first trimester, you really can't listen to your body. Cause if I listen to my body, it, you know, that was so confusing. There was so much noise. Like, what am I listening to? You know, these cravings the you know, the eating just ice cream all day. Cause I knew eating just carbs all day was not going to give me the nutrients that I needed. So I always felt like that advice isn't really the best at that time. Um, and so I would actually just put a nose plug on and, uh, and then I would just take it down. Cause I remember oh, wow. I read one time that your taste is 75% of your yeah. is smell. So I was like, okay, well, what if I just plug my nose? And then I did that and I would actually salt it like crazy. And, you know, I used the Redmond salt and so I would salt it and then I would just kind of take it down and I just would basically taste the salt and salt tasted fine to me. And then, so that's how I would eat. I would just eat, you know, Josh would make me a steak and then I would just shovel it down. And then, and then I did eat a lot. I mean, I ate a ton of fruit, like fruit was just like a lifesaver for me that actually tasted really good. And it was refreshing. So I did a lot of fruit. Then I ate a ton of raw milk and yeah. raw dairy and raw cottage cheese and raw, um, Greek yogurt. We get our, uh, our raw milk from, a an Amish farm. Actually, we get it delivered in, um, so I had a ton of that. And of course, everybody was like, you're killing your baby, all the crazy things. And I knew, you know, this was the best thing for me and my baby. And, um, cause pasteurized dairy has no nutrient nutritional value at all. Um, and then I was eating raw liver. So I would actually put the raw liver in the raw milk and I would blend it up and I would put some fruit in it and some lemon and then a few drops of like stevia or, you know, like a little, sometimes honey, like raw honey. And so I'd make these raw liver smoothies. Um, and that would actually really help. I remember in the first trimester I had it and I could tell like my sense of like smell sensitivity went down actually. Um, and so it, it actually would help. So I would make sure that I had a, a big chunk of raw liver, like once a week, wow. or if I wasn't taking that, then I would take the heart and soil supplements. So I had those as well, but yeah, everyone's like, <laughs> I remember I posted it in a story and <laughs> 
I just, my DMs, I was like, I don't even want to look at my DMs right now, but I want to share what I'm doing because I I think just all the advice that women get, it's just so bad. It's not it's not helpful. And it, there's a lot of fear around it. And I can't believe that it's basically, you know, Oh, eat your crackers. Like, you know, go eat crackers for nausea, go eat Ritz crackers. It's like, do you know what's in a Ritz cracker? It's vegetable oils and flour and nothing is good for you. Who is that good for? It's not good for you or the baby, you know, like, why are people giving this kind of advice? It really like pisses me off. I just don't understand why, why people are doing that. So yeah, I would try to share. I knew I was going to get um, a lot of pushback, but, you know, they was and people would send me articles like, you know, mm. um, all of these articles that say like, oh, all, and we've done so much research around this, you know, around raw milk and, and, and you, and raw milk is all, all that research. It's just fear. And, and you can't actually trace like food allergies like that, like how, how they say in these studies and things like that. But Anyways, it it's just so, really makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it pisses us off too. And I think rightfully it should because we're taking something that is sacred like pregnancy and we're putting our like intellectual hats on it and saying now that, nope, this is how we should do it and forgetting that unless the things that you are describing now naturally being able to birth and relying on food that nature provides was not the way that we you know could do healthy pregnancies none of us would be here because that's how our ancestors did it forever and going back to this more ancient kind of way is so gangster and i love it and i love that you're sharing that and here you'll be met with a lot of love because our our crew knows about this you know the heart and soil yeah i'm like preaching to the choir here yeah well (laughs) preach louder what what did you use for the prenatal what heart and soil supplements were you taking I should like all of them. Um, I took, <laughs> I took the liver one, of course, the bone, it was like the bone marrow one. There was the fire starter. Awesome. I took, um, the mood and brain one. Yep. Um, now I'm taking the her package. Uh, and then I also was taking magnesium, mm. but yeah, I was taking all this because everyone always asked me like, Oh, what prenatal vitamins are you taking? And I would look at, I looked at all them and they're just, they're synthetic, you know, they're a synthetic form of vitamins. And so I always think I've always been of that nature though, of get your, you know, nutrients your micronutrients from real food. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, it just makes more sense to me to go to the real thing, like the real source of what is the real source of vitamin A? What's the real source of vitamin B12? What's the real, real source of all of these vitamins that people are talking about. And the real source is, liver or desiccated or organs and, and red meat, you know? And so why wouldn't I just eat where it actually comes from instead of this synthetic form that's supposedly like safer, you know, I think that's where it's posed as like, Oh, but this is a safer form. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, why is it safer? It's, it's processed and synthetic. So let me just eat the real thing. Um, so yeah, that just like never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And before, I don't know if you know this, but I did go through like a little, in order to get here, I actually was vegan for like mm. a year. And actually we were talking about this with Josh. The The first thing I ate when becoming off vegan was Josh made me, I guess, creamy eggs, which he got the recipe from you. He Let's said, go. so you have, you are a part of our, you know, my story of not becoming vegan or like switching out of being vegan. That's amazing. Um, I'm going to add you to the list of, of, of vegans that I saved. That's very cool to hear. That's so cool. I love everything that you're saying. And I think you're, I think you're dead on. I think the more natural way of doing it. And it brings into the conversation now what you're doing, you know, postnatal recovery. And there's, there's like branched off into conversations here around, you know, like the fed is best movement and choosing to breastfeed as opposed to formula. Like nature knows, nature provides like that product that your body creates is the nutritional super like superfood powerhouse that will grow a healthy baby and nothing created in a lab can come close to it but it also takes a lot from your body to do it you have to put this stuff back in you have to put the nutrition back in to create it like have you been experiencing any pushback on your choice to breastfeed because i know that even that can get controversial when you put it out there if you run into people who get negative about it in public or you know challenge you if you talk about the benefits of breastfeeding with the whole fed is best I, I haven't been like, I haven't gotten pushback on actual breastfeeding. Um, I have a couple of mom groups here who I guess I've met through my midwife who, you know, so these other women are also doing like home births and things like that. Actually, my midwife is Lindsay Milis. She's the one she did a, yeah. the nurture yeah. documentary with heart and soil. Um, so 
yeah. So she was also obviously like super on board with just taking liver and the raw milk during my pregnancy. Um, and I, yeah, I, I mean, and the more I read about breastfeeding and, and breast milk, I mean, breast milk is like, it's just a magical mm -hmm. liquid. It just, it's, it's amazing what it does, you know, and it's the natural source and it's how we've survived off of, you know, for centuries. It, 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 it's amazing what it can do. It like calibrates to the baby, you know, knowing exactly what the baby needs, especially during seasonal times. Like when people are getting sick, it creates that immune support. Mm -hmm. um, and not only that though, there's also, I think, I think a big missed component of the fed is best is the, the connection between mother and baby of the breastfeeding yep. process of them actually like being on your breast, feeling the warmth, hearing your heartbeat, having their, you know, their hands are always on you and their head is right there. And I think that's a beautiful process. And for me, when I started to read more about, cause it can't, it's very demanding. It's it very, very, it's, you know, around the clock, obviously to every two hours, especially in the beginning, when you're recovering, you have stitches down there, you're trying to sit on stitches and breastfeed and all. And then your nipples hurt really mm -hmm. bad too. And everything just really hurts. And it's, it's really hard, you know, but I just kept, every time I would read about the benefits of it, it would just kind of keep me going of like, my baby needs this. This is what's going to help her feel connected. It's going to help her feel independent, right? We all want to create independent, secure babies. And the more, you know, the more you're with them, the more secure they're going to feel and grow up to be more secure human beings. And so that's a big driver for me too, is to give her that comfort that she needs right now. And I think a lot of the discussion and the advice for babies seems to be how to create independent babies. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but they're babies. This is not the time to create independent humans. Like, you know, they need us to be, they need to be attached to us right now so that they can become independent later. You know, I feel like there's this rush of creating independent babies, <laughs> like, but they're a baby, you know? Um, and so there's just all that comforting that they love and they need, you know, during this time, which it, it is hard, you know, I, I would love to just go out and work out for like an hour and a half somewhere, but I can't right now, or I, you know, I would love to just not have all this milk in me so I could just go for a run, but I can't. And that's okay. You know, I think that this is just the season of life that I'm in right now. And, um, I just, I want to give that to her. So thankfully I haven't, I haven't gotten pushed back, but I do feel kind of even right now, like I do feel a little afraid of like, even just speaking positively about breastfeeding mm -hmm. because I think then people might feel, well, what about the women who can't breastfeed mm -hmm. or don't have the supply? And I always wonder, well, why can't they like, why aren't we taking a step further of, well, let's look at the nutrition. Like, why can't they like what happened to lead them up to the point where they're not getting a milk supply? Like no one is, I feel like no one is addressing that and it's just straight to, oh, well she can't. And so, you know, let's, let's immediately get into formula, which of course we need to, you know, feed the baby, but then why, why is she not? And most of the time I think it's because of their diet. Most women are, aren't eating red meat. They're, you know, eating ch chicken and salads. And I even saw this postnatal program that advised them to just eat egg whites to still take, like, it was like all the old school things of mm -hmm. like, take out the egg yolk, like, you know, lower your fat, all that kind of stuff. They're thinking avocado is their only source of fat, mm. you know? So I'm like, you know, I just think all of that nutritional advice that women get is also bad. And so there's just so many la layers to th these conversations that sometimes when I meet a mom and I, I just want to like give her everything, like, like yeah. <laughs> unload all the things like I have to like, you know, tame myself down <laughs> to not, <laughs> to not like overwhelm <laughs> people. No, it's, it's like really wonderfully said. And I think you hit on a lot of very profound things there, like the root cause issue of like, why do so many women have problems breastfeeding? The nutritional piece is massive. The micronutrients are massive. Even the nutrition during pregnancy, which can help with the malformation of the face, which won't then produce like the proper latch because we've got tongue ties and lip ties. And like you go deep down that rabbit hole and it all comes back to the basics, right? It all comes back to, you know, the nutrition and the health uh, of the mom. But again, in a culture that's kind of got itself stuck 
in this victim narrative a little bit that it feels like when we talk about this stuff, we're like blaming and shaming the other people. And that's not what we're doing, but we're also not right. going to throw all the baby out with the bathwater, pun intended, and ignore the fact that this objectively is a better food product than something like a soy-based formula, because it just is. And that's not to guilt and shame other people, but it's to like encourage people to feel into that and go, yeah, you know what? Well, I'm going to fight for my right to do that. And the latching and the connection and the skin to skin and the rates of um, postpartum depression with women that breastfeed versus women that don't and, and C-sections and that lack of skin to skin contact, it all is, you're right. And you, you said it profoundly a few moments ago that you basically did the opposite of everything that they told you. And it's working out well because most of what they tell you is terrible advice, like egg whites for postpartum recovery when your body is building its hormones on fat and you need those calories and the nutrient density. So I think, yeah, I think, so I think if things. women, yeah, I think if women actually really, really understood the, the ingredients of formula, I, I don't think anyone would want to touch it. Like mm. if people actually really understood how inflammatory it is, how it's cancer caught, like all the vegetable oils, I don't think, I think if you actually knew that you you wouldn't want to be around it at all and i think if if we knew more about how because people are like oh i eat really healthy and i'm like well do you eat at a restaurant ever and they're like well yeah we go eat out but i get this i get salads i get that i'm like well the i'm sure the salad dressing has you know vegetable oils i'm sure that the fries that you had had vegetable oils i'm sure that even you have oh i get fish i get ahi pokey you know i'm like well you know that ahi pokey has a sauce that's like all with vegetable oils and yep. like you know so if, i think if people really truly understood everything that they're eating has these vegetable oils and it's the same thing that's causing the inflam inflammation and everything i just don't think people are actually like fully educated on it but i think if they did know it's true i think they would they wouldn't want to be near that at all and i think also you know there is there there's a reward for a mom as well i think i think when you're breastfeeding i think we forget that like it's always mentioning of like oh what am i giving to the baby what mm. am i giving to the baby but there's so much that i'm getting back in return like i feel so good and there's so much reward that i get i get tons of oxytocin you know and it just feels amazing like i i remember like I've been like on a high with my baby and I'm, this is, this is just like the best feeling in the world, you know? And I think that there's a part of that, that you miss out as well. When you start to create that disconnect with the baby, you know, and try to create this independence. Um, because like, this morning she was doing like, she started like copying Josh doing this little like tummy time thing and pushing up. And I mean, we were just laughing and smiling so much. And I was thinking back to before I had a baby. I mean, how often would Josh and I be like, you know, mm -hmm. laughing all morning? Like we wouldn't, you know, we we're just like straight to work and all of that. We'd be fine. But it's just such a different gift that babies bring that bring to us, mm -hmm. you know, and I think it's like an exchange of like what we're giving to them and what they give to us. Like there's so much reward that we get from babies as well. That's so, a really good kind of going reframe. On a tangent there. <laughs> no, it's it's that's very powerful, and I I agree. You know that that reciprocal relationship, instead of seeing it as just one that's extractive or giving, that you do get so much back from parenthood, and it, it's hard. Like you said, it's there's a quote I always throw it out when I talk to parents because I like it so much. They say, you know, having children will destroy your current life, but they'll replace it with a better one. Um, and it's so true because it's so much richer. I feel like the glass ceiling of what you've previously experienced of joy is just shattered because like when that baby looks into your eyes and smiles or laughs or says your name for the first time or something, it just takes you to a whole different level of like, wow, I thought I knew love before and there's nothing quite like this. And a lot of those things are like, they're just in us. They're, there's an intelligent design, like our hormones know what to do. I can only imagine the high of the exchange of the skin on skin and the oxytocin from doing that. And it's one of those things, again, that it, you, you can't get to it through a man-made solution, you know, like it's it's coming back to the basics and, and investing in yourself and your health so that you can have this relationship to the best of your ability. And I think that's such a wonderful thing. Um, mm -hmm. In the postpartum recovery phase, I'm curious, like, what are some of the, the biggest things that you've been really focusing on to keep your health, keep your mindset about you, and also what you're doing from a movement perspective to get back into your practice? Do you have, like, a top three tips for healthy postpartum recovery holistically? Mm, top three. <laughs> I'll I give us whatever you've got. Yeah. <laughs> I would say definitely your nutrition is huge, you know. So, I mean, I... I basically I'm still eating the same way, you know, and thankfully 
um, all of that nausea and all that stuff is gone. So that's nice. So, um, eating, you know, nutrient dense foods. Yeah. You have to replenish all your vitamins and minerals because it does go away. Um, I remember I was hearing about all these women who were like losing all their hair Mm. and I was like, Oh wow. I, I actually haven't had any hair loss. You know, I was like thinking about that. And so I think it's because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm eating this way. So I have bone broth every day, taking the liver, um, all that is like so important, especially now that I'm breastfeeding, you know, so just making sure that my nutrients are staying up. Um, also movement. I mean, yeah, movement. I walk every day for sure. I always get out for a walk, no matter what, that's like my number one thing. Uh, especially since I am mainly just home all the time with the baby, just getting out for that walk is just, everything. I look forward to it every day. It feels so nice to be in the sun. So sometimes I'll put her in the bassinet or I'll just carry her Mm -hmm. in the carrier and she falls asleep. Um, and then I actually, I found out a way to breastfeed in the carrier. It's like such a game changer and I'll do it even on my walks and no one can even see. I'll just kind of like put like a burp cloth over no one can tell. And it's perfect. It's amazing. Um, and then I also do, I, yeah, I'm doing all of like my pelvic floor recovery. So I'll do, um, you know, all of this, like working of strengthening the pelvic floor again, working my transverse abdominis. Um, I do it a lot. Actually, this little hack that I do is like when I'm shushing her, I started doing it because when I shush her, I'll be like, I'll, think of pulling up my pelvic floor as well. It's actually Hmm. amazing because it's like, I'm sitting there, you know, just like with her. And so I'm like, let me, I always try to like, how can I make the most use out of this time? So I'm like shushing her because you always exhale and pull up at the same time. So every time I exhale, I try to contract my pelvic floor. And it's like this little game I play with myself of like, can I shush her and pull up my pelvic floor at the same time? Um, And it works well. It's like, I actually, I feel like I'm getting things done and I am. Um, So yeah, doing all my pelvic floor exercises. And my whole point of that is like, I think women feel, oh, I have to like get it like a workout in, Mm. you know, I have to get like a on the mat for 20 minutes. And sometimes you won't get to the mat and have that clean 20 minute space. I can't tell you how many times I've started a workout and had to stop and start and stop. It's taken me like an hour to do a 15 minute workout. Um, but so if you can squeeze it in during your time, I think that'd be amazing, especially with the pelvic floor to make you feel like all bringing all those muscles back together and bringing the strength and the blood flow. Blood flow is huge for recovery, right? So that's why the walks are so good. Mm. You just need like that blood flowing. Um, so yeah, I would say like movement is huge. Getting outside is huge. Um, and then just, I think mentally, you know, reframing some things like my life, it like, this is just the most important job I have Mm. right now, you know, is her and, um, my days, aren't what they used to look like. My productivity is not what it used to look like. And that's totally okay. And this is the season of life that I'm in right now. And I always think, you know, one day they're not going to need us like Mm -hmm. this, you know, she's going to be, she's going to grow up one day and she's going to, I remember when I was a teenager, you know, in high school, I wanted nothing to do with my parents, you know? Mm -hmm. So one day she's going to get to that point and want nothing to do with me. And (laughs) She's going to be so into her friends and that's fine. And that's how life goes. But just thinking about that, it's like, oh yeah, let me just like treasure these moments right here that I have with her. Um, so yeah, so I think those uh, mentally is really, really important to have, you know, reframe all those things in your head. Cause you spend a lot of time by yourself, you know, just sitting there nursing. Um, so making sure that your brain is in a positive space. Yeah. Amen. Uh, there's a quote, I forget who said it, but children don't get in the way of work. They are the work. And I think that's a wonderful way of saying it. Like you said, it's it's seasonal. This too shall pass. There's going to be one point where you will look back and want nothing more than to be clinged to again and, you know, screams for the booby because these moments are fleeting and they go quick. So those reframes are important, though, because when we're in it, sometimes we can be narrativizing about or what we could be doing and how can I get back into my business or, or my follow accounts down or yeah. whatever else comes up in our head. So just reframes are really important. But you said something there. I, I want to I'm curious about your thoughts on this because you said about getting back into your movement 
movement exercise and working on your pelvic floor and putting the tissues back in place and really sturdying things up and everything. What advice would you give to somebody that had a C-section? I know that you didn't and you delivered a successful home water birth, which is amazing, but some people have a C-section. We know it's just quite a, an intense procedure, cutting through many layers of, of you know, the fascia and muscle and fat. So obviously the core is all kind of jacked up there. What advice would you give yeah. to somebody that did have a C-section and wanted to successfully rehab and get back to you know healthy strength again? Yeah, I mean, you should still work on your pelvic floor because the pelvic floor is like these muscles are like a hammock sitting at the bottom of the pelvis and men have them too. But, you know, if you think about a hammock and you put, let's say a grape on a hammock, it's not really going to stretch at all. Right. And then you put an apple and then you put a watermelon on a hammock. You can imagine how the hammock starts to just droop down more and more. And then you put a big pumpkin, right? Your baby is the pumpkin on this hammock on these muscles. So even if women go through a C-section, they still have their entire pregnancy of this baby sitting on their pelvic floor like that. And so you still want to be able to make sure that you strengthen up all of those pelvic floor muscles, especially if you want to have babies again, um, or just to even prevent, you know, incontinence and things like mm. that. So a lot of women think, oh, I don't need to worry about it because I didn't do a vaginal birth. And it's like, well, you were pregnant, you know, for nine months and you had all that weight down on the pelvic floor. So you still definitely want to strengthen that up. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, with C-section, I know scar recovery is a big one. So like massaging mm -hmm. is a big thing, like massaging all that scar tissue uh, to make sure that it, it doesn't, you know, don't have any adhesions and things like that. Um, but I would say definitely all the same pelvic floor work. I mean, also, you know, C-section, you were pregnant, so you still had your abs stretched out. And I know a lot of people are worried about, you know, abs splitting. So making sure that you bring those abs back together and that all works with your breath and the core and the pelvic floor. I mean, that's like, they're all tied together. So still doing basically all the same exercises. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of like when they can jump into it yeah. as far as like when the scar is gone, but then adding in that scar massage for C-section is huge. Okay. That's very cool. Thank you. Uh, I'm curious because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just fascinated by this hypnobirthing thing. Could you explain that to me? I know you, I think you guys worked with a professional and like you said, you were doing a lot of them. Talk to me and explain hypnobirthing a little bit. Yeah. So hypnobirthing, well, we took a hypnobirthing class too. So it was like a six week class mm. that we went to, which was cool. So I didn't realize that hypnobirthing classes actually cover all aspects of birthing, um, which was awesome. And she, the teacher of that ended up becoming my doula. And so she was amazing as well. And, um, but it's definitely a more holistic approach to, um, to giving birth. So, and that was great for Josh and I to do the class together because then he got to learn a lot of things too. Um, but then hypnobirthing, you know, the actual hypnosis is basically like a meditation, um, helping you reframe those ideas, helping you visualize what kind of birth you want to have, helping you visualize um, all of those things, like how you want to feel. That's what I always do is like, how do I want to feel after the birth? How do I want to feel when I first hold her? Like I would actually take myself through the scenario of birthing her and bringing her into my arms. Like, what do I want that feeling to be like? Um, and it's amazing how it always, it always comes true. Like I did this for our wedding. I did it for anytime I have like a big event or something. I remember we, we spoke at Kajabi and it's like, how do I want to feel when I'm on stage mm. or do I want people coming up to me after and saying certain things? So you just basically, it's like, it's like dreaming, you know? Um, but there's so many recordings on, uh, on YouTube. You can go look up hypnobirthing, uh, and it was just anything that I was dealing with, like whether it was nausea or, you know, sleeplessness or tiredness or, um, anxiousness around the birth. Like there's just, you could just listen to anything about it and it really helps you. So I studied hypnosis and I did work, uh, one on, I would just listen to recordings. And then I also worked one-on-one -on -one with someone, um, just to speak specifically to things that I was dealing with. Um, and it, it helps so much to just get your brain into that right place. Mm -hmm. It's, it's incredibly powerful. Like, I don't know why everybody doesn't do it because it is the most life-changing thing. And it's so simple. You just sit there and you listen. I'm mm -hmm. like, this is amazing. I don't have to get up and go anywhere or work out. You know, I just sit here and listen to a recording. Like it seems too easy, you know, <laughs> to make such a big change. Um, but it really, it, it really, really does help 
just mentally get yourself to a place of exactly where you want to be. Like, so if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling anything, if you're feeling fearful, right. A fear one is a big one, like to take all the fears out and just like trust to get yourself back into trusting. I think that's the toughest thing. I think being pregnant is to really trust your body, mm -hmm. trust your baby, trust the process, um, trust that this is how people have been doing this for centuries and bringing back really that trust and, and beginning quiet and tuning in to all, we all have this motherly instinct within us, you know, and just, um, allowing ourselves to trust, because I think there's so much of, of, oh, well, my doctor said I shouldn't do that. Or, you know, my doctor wouldn't let me, you know, that let me, wouldn't let mm -hmm. me. It's like, well, what do you mean your doctor wouldn't let you, you know, you can do whatever you want. Like, this is your body. This is your baby. You know, you get to, you get to do this. And like, um, I had, I had a chiropractor who was amazing and she would at the end, you know, she was like, you know, no one can say that no one can say that they delivered this baby. You delivered that baby. You delivered that baby yourself. And, you know, you get to be so proud of yourself. And she just like really pumped me up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I did, you know? It's so powerful. <laughs> so yeah. it's, yeah, it's just like getting to that core of that motherly instinct. And I think meditations and hypnosis can help quiet all that noise in your brain and, and get down to that. Yeah, I think. You, you said so many good things there, like this idea that like they wouldn't let me. I remember some of the comments that I heard from friends when we said we were going to do a home birth. And one of the first ones is like, is that even legal? Like people actually think you can't do it. They think you have to have birth in a hospital and you have to have an established care team and all of this stuff. And you are right. You can do whatever you want and you can trust that you can you know, seek that inner guidance of the wisdom of your body, of intelligence, of your ancestors that have done this in whatever way they want to. And that is your right. Yeah. That is your birthright. That is your superpower. That is the gift that women offer to the world. And it's a very beautiful one. And I think mm -hmm. that uh, uh, maybe the mental work that you were just describing, the hypnobirthing and the mindfulness and the feeling into how you want that to go and envisioning it like a reality that could almost be the most important thing, right? Because the mind is what ultimately decides whether we throw in the towel or not. We can always just find an extra gear up here. And I think it's a very yeah. holistic process from the nutrition to the, the physical health that you've got. But this mindset piece, I think, is so important. And I think a lot of people avoid thinking about it for the fear of it, you know? Yeah. And I think like you you have you have to be willing to take on a lot of responsibility going yeah. into a home birth because that was one thing that my midwife would say she says I don't I don't just take anybody you know she says I make sure that you're willing to do the work you're willing to take this responsibility of your health because if there's any sign that she says that I feel like you're not you know, taking care of your health, or you're not eating right, you know, then we will have to look at a hospital because then you'll need more assistance and things. And that's not, of course, the only reason why people go to a hospital, but I'm saying you like being, doing a home birth. Yeah. You have to be willing to take on a lot of your own responsibility, you know, of saying, okay, I'm going to be in charge of a lot of, of all these steps along the way, you know, every appointment I would come in already have done so much research of where I am in my pregnancy, reading all the books, like talking to people, listening to podcasts. And some people just don't like to do that or they don't have the time or whatever. And so I just do think that it takes a lot of responsibility to, to decide to do that at home, you know? Um, and like you did a free birth, which is like, that's like even that's like way way next level so you didn't even have a midwife or doula or anything right I, I'm, I'm, i must clarify for the audience i know it is 2024 but i did not have a free birth my wife did oh your wife did <laughs> yes no, she did um and it was incredible. But you were, had to be there like you I had did. to be that support and like yeah. be on on board and be like okay i'll be your coach because like you that's said it. like you were the one like coaching her you know she's the one looking she's looking at you <laughs> there's no one else in the room, right? That's exactly right. And everything you've said is, you know, my role was ultimately to love her and to support her and to trust her and to be a rock for her as she eased into this, which I would call like the greatest surrender experiment of, of a person's life to fully trust, like you said, which comes with an enormous amount of responsibility. And I think that sense of responsibility can crush some people, but it can really empower other people. If they're willing to hold it, it instills you with an awful lot of meaning.
training and an awful lot of confidence, especially on the other side of it. Like I said, my wife is that, that, that moment transformed her forever. She's not the same woman. She could never be the same woman after going through that. So empowered, yeah. so trusting, so connected now that it's just really cool to witness uh, that you can, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. And that's what, like, I spoke to so many women who did home births and I, you know, and there was just something different about the way that they spoke to it. They spoke about it. Like they just had this glow about the, uh, about their birth experience. And it was amazing. It was beautiful. And they would just use all of these really positive words that when I spoke to other women, they were like, ah, oh, yeah, I, would, mm. I don't know. It just wasn't the same. Um, but you know, interestingly enough, though, like my my sisters also had unmedicated births, and my mom did unmedicated. They did it in the hospital, but they still did unmedicated mm. as well. So I feel like also, I was lucky that I had you know other people in my family who still like you know were not doing the epidural and everything. And like my one sister, she had her birth in an hour and a half. I don't know how she did it. Wow. Um, she basically like the baby pushed out like literally as she like walked into the hospital. So she basically had like a car birth, you know, one yeah. of those. Um, and so I had a lot of tough women around me, you know, giving me that support as well. Um, but I just remember speaking to the home birth women, there's just a glow. And I'm like, how are they? Like one girl, I said, she's like, Oh, I just want to have, she, she's like, I already have four kids, but I want to have a fifth just mm -hmm. so that I could do another home birth. And I'm like, what? This is crazy. I've never heard anyone say anything like that before, you know? So there, there is just something, like you said, when you get, when you, anytime you're challenged, it's a, it's an opportunity for growth. And this is the ultimate challenge. And when you can push, push yourself past that, you feel like you can do anything, you know? So it is, it is truly a beautiful, empowering experience for women, for sure. And it gets you ready to be a mom. You're yeah. like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. And I think these kinds of stories and conversations are so important because a lot of people, again, they just don't even really know that this is on the table. They don't know it's a possibility. And I think we can, we can almost borrow in others' confidence through hearing those stories. If you hear enough of these stories, if you speak to enough of these women, if you see enough of these women do it, naturally at a certain point, you're going to say, why couldn't I do that, right? Why are they any different to me? And that was my wife. That was, she used to see the free birthing stuff all the time and say, oh, that's so empowering and inspiring, but I could never do that. And at a certain point she went, wait a minute, why am I saying I could never do that? I could do that. What if I adopted the belief that I could do that? And lo and behold, with enough preparation, she had that, that, that vision. And I think this is why I'm so passionate about talking to you today and hearing these stories, because it gives people permission that if they want this for themselves too, they can. And with the right team and the right support and the right information that, you know, like you said, these kind of traumatic, not so fun hospital pregnancies that we hear about so often. And some people have amazing ones and that's awesome too. But this empowerment that women can take back the birthright of radical birth and free birth and home birthing, it is, it is a possibility. And I think it's just mm -hmm. very, very important to hear amazing stories like yourself. And I know that you're going to have a, a beautiful baby girl pining for you very soon. So we'll start to wrap this one up. But I am curious as a as a closing statement, if you were, you know, if a, if a, if a pregnant mama is listening to this or, or a mama that wants to be a mom one day is listening to this and they were kind of sitting in your front room with you now and they they wanted, you know, just a, a beautiful birth and pregnancy for themselves, but they were a little bit doubtful. They were listening to the voices. They were kind of succumbing to the fear. What would you tell them as a friend, a coach, a mentor, a guide to empower them to just get right with themselves and, and choose the birth that they would want? Yeah. If they have that feeling, any, if there's any feeling of, oh, I want to do this, then follow that, you know, and just know that all that other, all those other noises is, is fear. And to, I, I knew I didn't want to start motherhood based off of decisions, based off fear, because anytime we're making decisions based off fear, we're not actually logically thinking, we're thinking with a different part of our brain. And so that's why I think, you know, taking some time to be quiet with yourself and write out like I, one exercise that I love to do is like these fairy tale exercises. So if you were to, you know, once upon a time, there was a girl named Sarah, you know, and to say about like, there was a girl named Jacqueline and she was pregnant and she got pregnant and she had, she dreamed of a beautiful birth, you know, like, what would that be? Like, you should have to like throw out all of the things that are logical and fearful and all those things, like create that fantasy story for yourself. 
you know, and it's a really fun exercise to do because it, it, you can start to dream like a fairy tale, but then it helps you to actually connect to it better. And, um, and then I would say the second thing is to have people around you that support you. I Mm -hmm. mean, Josh is, is my rock. Like I, there's so many times where I doubted myself and he would remind me of the things that I wanted and remind me of like why I was doing it and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. definitely having your support system is huge as well. I love it. I I love everything that you're saying. I love how you're helping, um, you know, not just give, not just mamas the gift of health, but everybody that wants to get into bar. I'm curious, do you think I'd be a good bar dancer? Is is bar for men? You ever, ever have any male clients doing bar? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. You'll, you'll be able to lift your booty, you know, tone your core. (laughs) It's hard. Like women all the time are posting in the Facebook group, like my husband joined me and he couldn't believe how hard it was. And, um, so yeah, I, I dare you to do one of, one of our workouts. Send send me a workout. I'll send you the video evidence and we're hashtagging a bar for the bros. Let's go. Oh, I like that. for the bros amazing amazing thank you so much for joining us please tell um people where they can go to keep up with you and everything that you're sharing and and you know the the fitness app if they're interested in checking that out give give people the the deets yes so on instagram all of those places i'm action jacqueline and then my app is called bar definition so you can just go to bardefinition.com it's b-a-r-r-e and then definition um, and yeah, go to bardefinition.com. You can start a seven day free trial and work out with me. And I would love to hear from you. If you're listening to this, send me a DM on Instagram, um, and join our community. We have an amazing group of women in our community and they're just super inspiring and they encourage each other every day. So if you're looking for that type of, you know, really welcoming fitness community, then, um, yeah, we're here for you. Awesome. Thank you, Jacqueline. This was fun, inspiring, thought provoking. I had a a lot of fun chatting with you today. Appreciate all that you do. Uh, Keep sharing and keep being a radical mom. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And team, we'll see you all next week. Peace out. Stay radical. All right, friends, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Radical Health Radio. We got a fresh new podcast for you every Wednesday. If you enjoyed the show, consider liking, subscribing, reviewing, and rating us on your podcast platform. It helps to spread this message of radical health. We'll see you next week.